Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to True Health Live. So glad you could join us. We are back. This is the True Health Live panel of co-hosts. I'm Sully. I'm joined by my dynamic co-host, Anishka Gopilal, Precious Steffi, and Alia Kumzani. Welcome back, Alia. Thank you. I had sound effects. I, it was like, you know, like the same. Welcome back. Thank so, you. Um, we have like a big reveal. So Alia's been away because... <laughs> so yes i was off uh for maternity leave so i recently um have given birth it's now been i'm losing track of time um but yes it's been it's approaching four months now and i've just um it's just started back at work um gave birth in march so it's been quite a journey i was pregnant throughout covid so that was in, in itself an experience um yeah and we're just learning and you know, um, you know, learning to, to cope as day goes by and, you know, as, as things change and challenges get, I mean, I wouldn't say easier, but different. So that's what it's been like. Yeah. As yeah. of recently. <laughs> yeah. So this month in July, we're going to focus on maternal health. So today we're talking about working moms. And so like we have three moms on the panel. So we're going to have, we have a whole lot of experience of what it's like to be working moms. So we'll take it from like Alia, your experience, um, you know, to, like you said, like being pregnant throughout COVID and then what's that like, what that is like going back to work um, virtually and in person, you know, and also, you know, also managing a very new person in the world. And then, Nishka and Precious, like what that was like, you know, like even before, like have there been any changes, like based on what you're, what Ali is sharing about her experience, like what did that look like for you? And then even like having children who are a little bit older, what that's like. So Alia, like give us, so give us the play by play, what had happened? (laughs) So yeah, so um, yeah, I I got pregnant um, back last year. yeah, it was um, a pleasant surprise. Um, yes, it was something that you know we we're very happy about. Um, but yeah, it was interest. It was an interesting experience from the get go because you know we were in the midst of COVID. There were all you know you were reading the headlines and newspaper headlines. You know the cases going up. It was really scary. Um, you know there were experiences that were being shared about women having to you know deliver alone without having that support person so those were the all the things that you were hearing and fearing and you know you were one you know it's natural to kind of to get fearful and wonder you know how am I going to cope family members being away from family members you know being so isolated I think was very challenging Um, even though we did stay in touch virtually you know, not having someone from your family, your mom, your siblings, you know, being there for you, um, sharing their experiences um, firsthand. I think that was, you know, a challenge in itself. Um, also, as an athlete, um, it was also interesting because um, there were no guidelines. You know, you're given very generic guidelines in terms of, you know, how you should exercise, um, the intensity at which you should exercise. 
Um, I, I knew that I wanted to continue exercising. I didn't know if that was going to be possible, you know, health-wise and otherwise. Um, so it was navigating the whole pregnancy journey, navigating the whole pregnancy, you know, um, while uh, remaining, you know, fit and healthy and keeping up with a training program of some sort. Um, so it was a lot of things to juggle, I would say. Also, you know, I was working. I worked throughout the pregnancy as well. Um, I have to admit that, you know, you know, working from home really did help. And, you know, again, I will remind, you know, you know, I remind myself as well, I'm really privileged to have to say that, you know, not many people can, you know, you know, say the same thing. And not many people, you know, had that privilege. Um, so in that sense, working from home did actually make it a lot easier for me. Um, it enabled me to kind of, you know, have more family time, enabled me to kind of, uh, you know, deal with the daily challenges of pregnancies, the different trimesters and the challenges that came with that. Um, and then, of course, um, so I would say I'd relatively, ha relatively had a, a pretty smooth pregnancy. You know, I continued training, continued rowing. So I, I row, um, I continued that up until seven months. And then beyond seven months, you know, that's when form started to kind of be compromised. So I, I stuck with strength training and I did a lot of dynamic Pilates, which really helped, you know, just keep my mental state in a good place, um, keep me physically active. And the whole point was to enable me to recover from whatever delivery I was going to have. Um, so yeah, no, I can definitely say that did help me a lot. So, um, and then, yeah, the, so the delivery day came, you know, the apprehension surrounding that, um, you know, we're there, we didn't know whether it was going to what was going to happen, essentially, again, you know, not having family members there was really difficult. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, they had changed the law by that time to allow one support system, uh, support person with you. But the problem was, you know, not having access to like, the, the mothers mother groups that they usually would have um you know the facilities that they would normally have on board and would you'd be able to physically go in um and talk to someone or seek advice or have you know kind of like a group of mothers or to be mothers that you could share your experiences with there, there was none of that so again it was all stepping into the bits of the unknown um and the fears and dealing with the fears that you know not naturally would come with that um the delivery was eventful let's put it that way <laughs> um yeah it was pretty traumatic for me if as a first time mom yes but I I have to again admit owing to the fact that I kept physically active um I think that really did help speed the recovery process um and you know six weeks out I was back training again so albeit you know you know, being careful with what I did and, you know, checking in with how I felt, etc. Um, but yeah, no, we, I, I mean, you know, it was, it's, it was a beautiful experience at the same time as albeit being traumatic, but, um, and baby was healthy, baby girls, very healthy. Um, uh, you know, we were all happy. Um, but again, you know, not having family members to share in with that experience was, 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 was sad. It was sad, to be honest. It was upsetting. Um, but, you know, connecting, you know, with technology these days, you can connect uh, over Skype and FaceTime. So that's what we were basically have been doing uh, up until this point. Um, yeah, and I have to comment on the fact that maternity leave period, I honestly thought that I would be able to get a lot more done during that maternity kind of leave. 
And it's <laughs> it's quite yeah um, eye opening to the fact that yeah no you're you're gonna be sleep deprived to the point where you know you can ba barely you know put any food in your mouth um, uh, you know you just want to sleep um, and it's all about prioritizing okay do I sleep do I eat <laughs> um, do I you know clean the house kind of thing so it's <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, maybe later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then the whole uh, breastfeeding journey as well. That that was also something I was just it was all very new to me. Um, you hear a lot of you know uh, breastfed is best, um, but then you hear a lot of people that aren't aren't able to breastfeed. Um, and I was lucky while at the hospital. I was um, you know the the. Um, uh, the lactation consultants there were very, very good, and I got some really good advice. I was introduced to the pump, uh, and that really got me off in a, you know, good kind of schedule and discipline um, in terms of. So I was um, alternating between, you know, nursing and pumping because I knew that event, you know, the three month period, I have to go back to work, I have to establish some sort of um, stash of milk. Uh, so to say so that you know someone else can feed her and she also has to get you know used to the bottle um, not all babies accept the bottle so it was all about kind of it, it was a very short period to kind of jam pack everything in and kind of prepare for going back to work um, and I think also that was yeah there was not much in terms of you know advice it was mostly me navigating myself and my husband navigating the whole process you know figuring out trial and error um and then a lot of you know we had a lot of input from people but then, then again they didn't you know share the same experience we did or go through the same thing so what worked for them you know necessarily wouldn't work for us so um it's about it was about kind of finding some sort of a routine I know that's you know, kind almost near to impossible with a newborn, um, uh, and just kind of finding out what worked for us best to enable the transition uh, from the mater from the maternity leave from the newborn stage to um, you know the four month uh, dealing with a four month year old and then eventually returning back to work. Um, so yeah, it's again returning back to work. So I just returned back last week, um, and that's been interesting as well. <laughs> Um, I've learned how to pump on the go <laughs> and thankfully I've been provided with a room to, you know, that I can pump in and I've got a really good schedule when it comes to pumping now. Um, so that's kind of become a routine thing where, you know, I've, you know, I got my time, I've got my schedule. Um, I know I have to, you know, stop what I'm doing, kind of take a little bit of time out, um, as best I can. Um, and yeah, just, um, kind of do what I can as best I can um so yeah it's but again with the COVID situation I know it's improved a lot since we last spoke about it and you know since you know last year um and so yeah it's been it's been the fact that I can work part-time so I'm, I'm working three times a week um at the office and then the other two times a week I spend at home so that um that's really been good for me. And in, in addition to that, it's also been good for my husband. So we can actually do a, you know, an 50 share the responsibility 50, 50. Um, and that's what we're doing. We're literally alternating. Um, he takes over 
one part of the day, I'll take over the next part of the day. He'll, you know, have time to go to the gym. He'll have time to go do his own work. And, and likewise, I'll be able to do that as well. And that's literally how we're, we're functioning at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I mean, it was a bit of a, a shock to the system going back to work and, you know, leaving her for such a long period of time. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the maternity leave is really short, uh, unlike in other countries. Um, so unfortunately, you just have to kind of do what you can and make the provisions as best you can. And owing to the fact that, like I, I say, we didn't have any family support, we had to hire a baby nurse. Um, and that's been that's been good. Uh, a good ex- another interesting experience. Um Initially, we didn't really know what we needed. And over time, I've, we kind of now know, okay, we need, um, you know, we don't need so much of the night shift, but more the day shift, help with the day shift. And also in terms of just advice again, um, tips, um, you know, coming from a more experienced person, that's really been helpful and has helped us establish some sort of routine. But um, as you can imagine, the costs have been extortionate. And it's not something that we actually planned or envisaged uh, would be the case. Uh, but this is the only way um, we can make it work. Um, eventually, um, we will put her into nursery. Uh, but yeah, that's still a little bit further down the line, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I, I hope I've summed it up. And yeah, I probably left out, you know, certain bits yeah. that will come up. Yeah. We'll probably yeah. let you talk yeah. about it. Yeah. It's just so interesting, like the um, maternity leave time and, and Miss Compressors, like you guys have experience or you ladies have experience with it. You mom. Um, it's a shame that it's not longer, you know. Um, I, I think some places do offer. I know um, one of my staff members, it was just a matter of like writing to HR, I'd like more bonding time. And so like, you know, and I guess I don't know how that mingles with like benefits and vacation time. But like, yeah, like there's there should be more time, you know, for mommy baby bonding, you know. So, you know, Anishka or Precious, like, you know, I think my battery's dying. I might, you know. <laughs> yes. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. First of all, I wanted to just say welcome back and congratulations, Alia. Um, Definitely, and thank you for sharing your experience, right? Because I think COVID has a, a, had a very unique impact. So uh, me even, to, even remotely into my experiences, uh, 10 and eight years respectively would be very, 11 years ago, it would be so different. Um, but some analogies uh, that I heard is just the idea of, not knowing what you didn't, what you don't know. You know, mm-hmm. even when you have mom, you know, mom in close proximity and friends and other folks who've had the experience, you still don't realize that you're not actually a part of that uh, rites of passage, if you will, until you've actually entered motherhood. Because you wind up saying, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> why didn't you tell me this hurt so much? You know, that nursing hurts so much. Um, but because then you perhaps imagine that you would have been prepared 
or the comfort or the tips and tricks that one can employ to kind of manage that discomfort. You did touch on a lactation consent, and I'm glad that you were able to access one. Um, many, many people do not know. Uh, well, I'll just say that when I was searching for lactation consent, and I'll share that um, both of my deliveries, unfortunately, had to, they, they, I didn't want to, I wanted to have natural births, but they wound up in action. And with that, your body isn't allowed to kind of step that slow progression into um, operation. And so the milk or colostrum doesn't, doesn't come as readily sometimes. Um, for my daughter, which is my first birth, that was the challenge that um, she wanted to nurse and I wanted to nurse her, but my body wasn't doing what it needed to do. Um, but we stuck with it. And thankfully, that was where having those fam familial supports became really, really handy. And sometimes it's the old school model, my said, you know. Don't think she's getting anything. She'll be fine. You just continue. You know, so this is for, for those women who may not make that first 24 hours and, you know, why won't latch? And what about this? And what about that? Stick with it. If, if what you want, if what you want is to nurse, then stick with um, pushing forward with that. Uh, and definitely you made a really good point. Introducing the bottle, you know, because some some uh, some of our babies will accept what they've been given, which is their their mothers. You know, their mother is sustenance from the mother, um, and that can be very challenging. Um, I will share one story. I'll teach you. Say, son was uh, very hungry all the time mm -hmm. and from the very very beginning he still is even at eight um and mm -hmm. i just remember <laughs> weeping and I, and i also did not allow my children to stay outside of my room to haunt them so i forgot what they call it now but essentially they kind of like Is she frozen? If you can me hear me. Let's go. Yeah, she's hmm. Oh, no. There we go. Maybe we can still hear you. Technology, everybody. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's technology. Well, I think well, what, about maybe co-sleeping. Yes, that's what I think she was. I was, yeah. <laughs> I listened. I, I, I listened it was mom. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty choppy. I couldn't hear, but so much. I thought it was just on my end. But I mean, uh, until Precious gets back on, um, like my daughter is sixteen. She'll be seventeen. So <laughs> it's it, it's been a while. Um, but when she was a baby, when I first had her, when I had her, she would not latch on to breastfeed. Oh, but before I go on, let me let Precious finish. 
I thought. I swear, my technology just will not let me be great. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to like, I don't know, do something. Um, co-sleeping. That's where you left off. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, it wasn't even. Co- yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't co-sleeping because um, they were still in their separate, in their separate, you know, incubator. But pretty much, I think the term was sleeping in. Like they got to, and I did attachment parenting. So yes, I know all about co-sleeping. But um, the nurses would label the the bed, like the bedroom would pretty much say that the parent is keeping the child in the room. Um, and they would only uh, take them out to like examine or even bathing and stuff I did in the room. But with my son, he ate a lot. And I found myself, number one, what I found tend to happen with parents like myself who wanted to keep the babies in the room, you kind of got neglected a little bit. Um, A lot of it honestly, I'll say. And and I was at pretty good hospitals, but what wound up happening is it's kind of like, you got your baby, you're in the room, we'll check on you, but you're on your own. And so that's when it's really important to have a good network, you know, that, that not, not only just dad, right. But because by my son, we had a, a, we had a two-year-old at home, but to have a network of friends and family that comes in to support you, um, but what I remember there was a nurse and she came in and it was late at night and, and I was just in tears because he wouldn't stop eating and I couldn't get even to the bathroom without him crying. And you got your baby all night, you on your own lady. That was literally (laughs) what I learned. Um, And the nurse came to me and she taught me how to literally, it wound up being co-sleeping to sleep on my side to prop him up to keep to lay on my side and to just have milk readily available to him for him to kind of sniff it out and find it even while I rested and it's little tips like that little things like that that really really helped um keep us you know mothers who want to try to stay as natural as possible even though we're we're delivering in a hospital even though we may um be forced or sometimes unfortunately wind up having to accept the cesarean section, um, you can still create opportunities to have your experience be as close to natural or what you have in mind for yourself. Um, Those networks though that you spoke of, those mother networks, they're really, really, really powerful. And I would encourage women to connect even while pregnant, you know, connect that way, even if it's through a virtual meet, well, now it would be virtual, but as many support groups as you can, because you won't know how much support you need until you need it. Yeah. Uh, when the baby's screaming and it's between, you said cleaning, but I'm, I remember it was between taking a shower, like cleaning myself <laughs> versus, you know, versus just not having the baby cry, right? Mm-hmm. It became that serious. So um, I'm glad we're having this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> to work. I make. I love these conversations. It's so funny because um, Precious, you know what I would do? I put my baby in her bassinet and roll her into the bathroom with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> she would cry and I'd, I'd be the only one home and I'm like, what am I going to do? So I'd be like really, really quick, but at least I can keep an eye on her. So I'm peeking every like two seconds. 
But that was what I had to do <laughs> and then roll her back out. <laughs> but when I had her, you know, I was I wasn't as knowledgeable as I, I am now. I was 20. Um, and she would not latch on for me to breastfeed. I tried, tried and tried. Um, one of the nurses came in the room and like my nipple was inside. So she plucked me really hard and I'm super sensitive. I, I was so angry, but it, it, it helped me, but still she latched on for maybe like two seconds and that was it. I said, baby, you know, I'm like, don't you want to get the milk? And she was like, mm, like her little mouth was closed. Um, I tried even when I got home, my mom, my mom was there helping me. I had a girlfriend to live downstairs. She came. I have a picture. I kid you, you guys not. Where I'm holding one side, my girlfriend's holding the other, and my mom has the baby's head. And then you see my breasts. And I was <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was literally a team effort. Um, but I I wish I had those um, those mother groups um, like like you guys mentioned. Um, but I, I definitely had family and friends around to help support. Um, but those groups and being a young mom at the time would have been more helpful because I didn't know about, like I heard about Lamas, but didn't know all that it entailed, uh, lactation, even that. Um, and my my advice that I give, like, you know, friends and family now that are having children, I'm like, learn how to breathe. Because yeah. I didn't know how to breathe properly. So I was pushing incorrectly the entire time until my doctor said, you know, do it like this. And once I did it, she came like that. And I said, oh, wow, <laughs> I could have did it the correct yeah. way had I known, but I didn't. Um, and to Precious's point about natural birth, like my, we're West Indian. So my mom was big on natural birth from the get go. Um, and she's always was like, you know, the doctors are too quick to cut you. So that was always in my mind. I'm like, no, I'm going to hold out as much as I can. Um, and I, I didn't take any drugs. I didn't want an epidural. I was scared actually of an epidural. So I said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try my best. Um, and I ended up giving natural birth and I, I just want to say every, you know, everyone's experience is different because our bodies are different. Um, now it was painful, but not as painful as I thought because I was hearing things from everybody and I was like, I was expecting the worst, um, but I was like, oh, wow, I remember to this day, I remember thinking to myself, this is the only time I get to scream as loud as I want. And no one, <laughs> you know, thinks anything's wrong. So I just was like, OK, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, it was a beautiful experience. Beautiful. Um, my my room that I, I thought I had to share, but I didn't end up having to share a room. So I had a room by myself. I tried to keep my daughter in with me. While I was there, um, the first night I did all the way into maybe like three in the morning, but then I just couldn't because I, I I was just so beat, so tired because I because of pushing so bad, like incorrectly, I had a pop up blood vessels in my face and everywhere. So I had like all these little freckles everywhere. And so I was just exhausted, super exhausted. Um, and so the nurses took her into the um, nursery and they would bring her in and out. I would buzz, they would bring her in. Um, and we stayed in for the hospital just like three days and went home. Uh, when we got home, the first night was like Aaliyah's. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, she, she, she had a tough night. But um, after the first night, she slept completely through, which I was so shocked about. I didn't expect that. Um, and she slept in the bed with me. And my mom made a very big um, like point to say, you know, she should sleep with you. Don't put her in the bassinet. Mm -hmm. I was always afraid, like, I don't want to roll on her. You know, I don't want 
any mistakes or whatnot, but I was very cautious. Um, and she was a heavy sleeper thereafter. I would have to wake her up to feed her. <laughs> I was like, no, you gotta eat. I would have to wake her up. Um, but yeah, all those, uh, you know, all those years ago and just imagining what it would be like today in the time of COVID, it, it's a little scary. Cause I'm like, what would I have, you know, I am older now, but, um, but still just not having your support system there or not knowing like um, my, my partner wouldn't be able to be there, it would be challenging. Um, so I'm grateful for the experiences. And now even going forward, because we do plan on having um, another baby, how would, how I'm thinking is totally different. And all the preparations like Aliyah that you have shared on the Precious has shared, it's like, it makes you think a little bit more like what to do, how to better prepare. And some things you, I know you can't prepare for, you just have to go with it um, and kind of wing it and see how it's a, it's a learning experience. But um, it's good to just have, be aware, mm -hmm. I feel. So, so I, um, no, that definitely, I, I would agree with what you have both of you have to say and um, you know everyone initially like you say everyone's experience is different and I think it's very important to kind of not take on too much of what people say and you know understand that there's aspects you're not going to be in control of and just go with the flow and not try and control things uh, which I, I kind of came to find out you know I was preparing for every every kind of situation um, and you know, the, the, it went the way it went, and <laughs> that's how it was meant to be. I mean, uh, we were told that um, towards the... So we, I was having ultrasounds quite regularly, um, and I did question why that was the case. Um, but then again, I... Um, so I had a fibroid, which I only found out about during the pregnancy, at the very beginning of the pregnancy. So, um, you know, I was given the, you know, the, the, the warning that, oh, this potentially could present itself as a complication. I never had symptoms uh, with the fibroids, so it never really bothered me. So that's probably why I didn't really kind of know about it. But um, that is something that's common to a lot of women, um, you know, looking into it at the time. Um, and it was probably why they kind of managed it a little bit more closely. But even then, like I mentioned, the fact that, um, you know, my, um, my husband was allowed in during the delivery uh, into the hospital. He was not allowed in um, at the, the prenatal kind of um, appointments, the ultrasound appointments. So I would have to kind of record the scans and send them to him. So he never really established that kind of, you know, that bond from the very first ultrasound, which I think is really um it, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you guys probably can vouch for this, but it's something that's meaningful uh, for um, for 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 the partner or the husband, um, for him to kind of identify with that, to see it. it it's it's something that's really meaningful. So that was a, a real shame in that sense that none of the, my appointments he could he couldn't attend any of the appointments. Mm. Um, what else was there that I wanted to to comment on? There was something else. Um, but yeah, just the fear of the unknown, not knowing um, and, you know, how individual everyone's experience is uh, and turns out to be. And yeah, and, and it was enlightening when I learned about how common fibroids are, especially amongst um, African-American um, women. Um, and yeah, and how little women know about them and, you know, how little we're told um and how they can present um during pregnancy and also in terms of you know um the aftercare as well 
Um, so yeah, that that was something. And then so I, I continued to have you know a lot of um, ultrasounds. Um, and then eventually towards the end of the pregnancy, um, they were they did comment and say that you know she's a little bit above average size wise and that's another thing that you oh automatically as you know uh, to be mum you're like oh my god is that a bad thing start googling googling like crazy uh, finding all these dice diagnosing your 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 unborn child with all these you know funny weird things and um yeah and it's just it's something also to bear in mind which they don't tell you is that it's only an estimate you know they can't get things exactly correct and there are a lot of you may be in for a surprise (laughs) essentially so again it's all about letting go not trying to control the situation Mm -hmm. as best you want to you know so she was um she was a healthy but a nine she was a nine pounder so yeah and that's not something I wasn't anticipating at all my sister and I both were nine pounders my daughter was seven and a half um but but to what Aliyah said um you just have to give yourself some grace and you have to understand too, like doctors are trained a particular way. Um, and sometimes it's just our common sense that has to kick in and say, okay, like, thank you. I, I appreciate what you're telling me, but let's, let's see what it is when it, when, when it actually happens and so forth. Because if we listen to everything that everybody says, we'll drive ourselves crazy as, you know, expecting moms. Um, but I wanted to circle back to, you know, being a working mom. Um, and I wish we could get like a year off maternity leave like that first year is so imperative to be with your child um i took a year off just because i was able to do so i don't know if i would be able to do so again but that's the goal that i'm trying to work on and that i'm working on um because i would like to be home with my my son or my daughter um when they get here um but i think there are challenges but there's also ways that we can work through it i know for myself um you know, some babysitting was a big one, you know, because I was going to school and working full time, but yeah. a student full time, working full time and a full time mom. Um, and my daughter's dad lived two hours, two to three hours away from us. So it was very difficult um, getting people to to watch and not just people. It was always family. So my my aunts would be able to help and think thankfully they were able to do that. But um if things came up, if, if the baby got sick or, you know, and if she got sick and it took like a span of time to recover, that means I'm out of work for that time. And, you know, of course that comes up, like, you know, it's too many days, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, people just look at it from a business scope versus being more like human and saying, these are, these are real life things and this is what happens. And so our employees have lives outside of the workspace um, and being more understanding. I think in, during this time, especially during the time of um, the pandemic and COVID, um, people are realizing that we can be productive even if we're not in the office. So this just is an eye opener to folks to, that prior pre-COVID that were saying, you know, you have to be in the office, you have to be in the office and giving people such a hard time, rather be moms or dads, just caregivers, um, giving them a hard time or making them feel guilty because they, ha- they had these responsibilities to their family, now can see, no, not we don't necessarily have to be present. We can work from home if we need to. We can, as moms, take care of our children and still take care of our responsibilities here at work. Um, for all the dads and the caregivers, it's the same thing. So I think in the the one of the pros of the pandemic is to show folks that um, we can adjust. Yeah. 
to show employers we can adjust and you know and 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 make it work where where we're not sacrificing these important things that then um that are to us like the important things for us and our family and our kids being the top priority and that we can still contribute to and fulfill our responsibilities in the workplace yeah 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 you know something that um I wanted to double back on, and uh, Alia and Anushka, you both touched on it. It's the idea of us being in the United States and acknowledging that there is no mandatory requirement for paid leave. Um, that's when you think about, you know, where we where we're where we're told that we live and how much we should celebrate that. Um, the reality is in the UK, and I'm I'm just pulling the stats, um, as of 2020, you get nine months at 90% pay. And yeah. um and I think I'm gonna just look over because I think um on average Switzerland is, you know, 98 days at 80% pay. Spain is four months at 100% pay. So here in the United States, you'd better have a job that allows you to have accrued time um, and you better be planning this pregnancy mm -hmm. and uh, bank that time, which means if you have, like Alia, you spoke about needing um, more sonograms than, than, than the average uh, pregnant woman would. That means that, that if your physician doesn't have after all, like evening hours, yeah. how do you bank time when you have to deal with your prenatal care visits? How do you bank time when perhaps you're in that first trimester and trying to get through with maybe morning sickness or just adjusting to the change in hormones? Um, it's, it's really an important thing for us to discuss from a policymaking perspective. I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Dad's only recently, I guess it's only the mothers who even qualified up until a few years ago. So now there's paternity leave, right? Um, that wasn't even a thing. You were laughed at if your husband wanted to be home with you and to support you. What do you mean? Man, you come to work. So what? She had the baby. She's home. Let us stay there and figure it out. Um, this is the reality. And it's important that we discuss it because we're still way behind in so many important areas. And if we acknowledge that our children is our future, is, is the foundation of what the, the nation is built upon, then why would this be how we allow our children to enter into the world? with us stressed, trying to figure out how we're going to make ends meet, when, how quickly we'll have to go back to work. Yes, get that pump out immediately so you can start building your milk supply because you know you don't even know, they'll just be on whatever product there is in the store that's on the shelf. Um, and Alia, you spoke about you know being grateful for having a room to pump in. Even that is very recent as far as rights though in the workplace and a requirement for there to be a separate space. Imagine seven years ago, because I, I, perhaps it's been in, in place for about 10 years, perhaps, but imagine 15 years ago working in a cubicle environment mm -hmm. and um, needing because your body 
is timed for women who, who haven't had the experience. Your body is timed to your child. So every two hours, you can be full of milk and ready to literally explode if you don't get that milk out. And, when, and if you don't, your body then naturally trains itself to produce less. Yes, exactly. And I can't say, clearly this is something I'm passionate about. I didn't even recognize that I was still this angry about how behind we are. But I can see like how horrible it is for a mother who wants to nurse even for one year, even for six months. And you cannot because your body is like, no, you're back at work. We don't even hear that baby crying anymore. We don't, you know, we're not even connected. Um, and so you have to record your baby crying, listen to it at work. Yeah. You have to trick your body into thinking your sweet baby thing is right there with you while you have this machine attached to you producing milk. So um, we've got a long way to go, but I'm glad we're having these discussions because at least it'll prepare those who get to the opportunity to watch and listen to kind of take notes and to talk more about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just to, to, to mention something on the paternity leave aspect, I mean, there's so many, so many different things we can discuss about this and so many things that need you know, we need to bring about change and really need to be kind of fixed is that my my husband got six weeks and he wasn't allowed to take that all in one go owing to the nature of his job. So, and again, because we were new parents and like, and I actually wanted to mention this previously is that even though, you know, you have um, the older generation, family members who have gone through the whole process for some weird reason, and maybe Anish can pressure, she can kind of, I don't know if you agree with this. You tend to that intense, short, intense period, newborn phase. I think a lot of people tend to kind of almost forget about, you know, it's, it's taken over with all the nice, you know, the, the, the nicer memories, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think not a lot of people remember how intense it was and they don't give you, you know, the accurate an accurate representation of how bad, especially if you're on your own, it can be. Um, and we underestimated that. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll take two weeks off initially, you know, after the birth. And then we realized, actually, you know, when I was stuck alone, and he had to go back to work, we both realized, actually, this is not at all doable. You know, I was recovering. It's one thing to recover from the actual birth. And then, you know, you don't even have time to do that. You know, mentally, physically, um, you have to, there's no, you know, there's no time off per se. You know, it's just straight into it, taking care of the baby, feeding the baby on demand, um, not sleeping, crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, So, yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, we've we've made, I mean, leaps and bounds, I guess you could look at it in that way, but we still have so much more, you know, uh, um, to, in terms of advancements that we, that need to be made. Um, and, and just the whole, um, the pumping and, you know, having to anticipate going back to work, that, that can be ridiculously stressful. Precious, you mentioned the number of countries that you know, have a, a more realistic time period uh, that they give paid leave for um, working mothers. And I think Australia as well, brilliant. Um, I think they give um, around six months, even more than that. And then you, they hold on to your job. Your your job is secured for, an, for a year. Exactly. And, and that just knowing that, I think 
provides, you know, a mother, a new mother with so much, you know, so much comfort. And, you know, if you're stressed, you're not going to produce as much milk. The, the quality of the milk is not going to be that good. These are all things that impact um, the health of the child, essentially the health of the mother and the health of the child. We've, we've not even touched upon postpartum depression. Um, so that's another whole, you know, uh, kind of hurdle that you, if you, you have to deal with it, and you know, initially to identify that you have it um, and the different kind of signs and signals that, um, that that comes with. But I've also even learned about, aside from postpartum depression, there's something called um, DMER. Um, so it's, um, I can't remember what it's, the acronym stands for exactly, but I think it's, um, it's a negative reflex that occurs when you nurse or you pump. So it's a dopamine, it's a reduction in the dopamine levels. And it happens in some women. And what essentially happens is you get a feeling of overwhelming feeling of anxiety. And some pe- some women report overwhelming feeling of anxiety. Um, you're completely put off food, lo- la- a sudden lack of appetite, just a feeling that you've over, you know, overcome with sadness, essentially. Oh, no. And that's it. And I looked it up and I was getting kind of... A, weird really weird symptoms and I couldn't explain um what I was feeling and it would happen initially when you first nurse it can happen when you first a few few, first few minutes of when you're nursing or when you're pumping um and it has yeah it's it's something that occurs due to a drop in dopamine um a sudden drop in dopamine um and so um that can be something that comes you know comes about suddenly it can be something that not women, you know, women are not told about or don't know, can't identify, you know, identify what what it is they're going through. And it can, I mean, a more extreme um, aspect of it is it can put people off nursing or pumping. Um, So just knowing about it can really help. Um, You know, there are different ways you can go about combating it. Um, And just being aware. I think that's, that's really important. So there, there are a number of things that factor in, Aside from, you know, um, the whole the maternity leave being so short, the fact that we have hardly any time. I mean, it's one month bonding that's given for bonding with child. And one month is certainly just not, it's not enough. Um, So, yeah, there's a a number of issues that as a new mum you have to contend with um, alongside, you know, getting back into work, being productive at work. Um, I think, yeah, that we all, I mean, these are all topics that are, you know, worth discussing Um, and having this conversation. Yeah. You being like the newest mommy in the group, you're like bringing bringing up so many things that I'm like, yes, I wanted to talk about that too. (laughs) So first thing I want to bring it back a little bit. I looked at my notes. Overweight, baby, you're, you're, you're gestating child being overweight by whose standard? Yes. We have to remember that the, the American BMI chart is not necessarily made for every body type. And if we remember that our body type is informed by our things that we don't even know about where we're from and what class of people we were and what work we did and why we needed longer arms or longer legs or shorter trunks or darker skin or lighter skin, that informs the size of the babies that you will gestate. So if you're eating healthy, if you're drinking, you know, you're not, obviously you're not drinking soda and crazy things, right? 
you're eating healthy, you're, you're exercising, you're doing what you need to do to, to keep a healthy self so that your baby can gestate in a healthy manner, then why would you be told, you know, you're rowing? My goodness, I, that is impressive. <laughs> I was maxing, macking and relaxing <laughs> about four months, okay? <laughs> Just watching the belly grow. But um, to then have you take on that extra stress and worry of even having to research and self-diagnose what your child may come out with is so unnecessarily unnecessary and unfair. Um, and so, again, who says, you know? Yeah. It's really about talking to your family. My mother was a teen mother uh, mm-hmm. when she had me, and very, very tiny, 96 pounds, and I was eight pounds, 10 ounces, and 22 inches. That's pretty humongous. Mm-hmm. And so they scared that poor baby mm-hmm. all the way to, and I was a month overdue, according to them. <laughs> uh, and so it was like, we're going to pull her out with every bit of force that we can muster. Um, which caused serious damage. So I was a forcep delivery. And that is a very, I mean, it's not done anymore uh, very often, but um, it's a very traumatic way of being yanked into the world. Um, And my body actually bears the scars from that, right? So it's important that we have this discussion. I, I know I've said that like 10 times, but um, that's one thing. The other thing is the the idea of our loved ones, like I said earlier, and you touched on it. Why didn't you tell me? Yeah. I think there's that trauma response type memory loss. Mm-hmm. Number one, you know you have to get through it. Could I tell you how bad my C-section pain was? No, because I knew as soon as I got to that room, that baby came first. Yeah. So I stood up. I would wheel like like Anushka said. I even forgot that. Yes, I was wheeling my infant into the hospital bathroom with me when I realized, oh, they're not going to come. You come with me, little guy, and you prop the door open as I do what I can do in the restroom. Um, but you forget that because you have to move forward. So it's almost like you have to kind of chronicle it in order to you know keep a memoir in order to say oh yes young young mother remember this too will happen um so the main thing that i will say to all of the young mothers and to remind any of the mothers who are going around a second time and by young mother i mean your first child um is nursing hurts like hell <laughs> hell <laughs> but it is it is the most gratifying thing you can do. There are things you can do to prepare yourself. There are fun things you can do with your mate to prepare your body for it um, and do your research because I know, and I'm going to close it with my commentary here, but Anushka, I know you spoke, you referred to, you referenced the um, invert, you said your nipple was inside, but I'm going to give the technical term because I saw Deidre's face like, what? Inverted nipple. <laughs> I made a note to define it. So, yeah, so some women have inverted nipples. So while it may look like it's on the outside, when you go to nurse, it's actually in, like in any belly button, if you will. Um, There are things that you need Mm -hmm. to do, and there are special um, nursing cups that you can purchase, and there are certain techniques that you can employ prior 
two starting to uh, to uh, nurse that you can kind of do to prepare your body. So it's not just preparing for birth it's or delivery. It's preparing your body fully. Um, yeah, there's so much. I had like uh, 50 books <laughs> just to make sure I was ready. <laughs> I think this conversation, we need parts. Yes. So, so, so much. I mean, like to uh, what Aaliyah was saying and then Precious as well as far as like our elders telling us things and but they're so traumatized and you're putting your child first and what you need to do. My mom, she had her both of us in Guyana and this was in the 80s. And so there was no medicine the way we have medicine here. Everything was natural. So she held no, <laughs> she held nothing back. I knew the stories before I even thought to have children. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she would tell the stories, and I rem- And it's crazy because I'm three years older than my sister, and I remember my mom being in the hospital and me going to visit her. And outside the hospital it was like a, a junkyard full of cars. And she was in such pain that she was like, I'm going to jump through the window. Like, I can't take it. I remember that at that age. But she she said she would tell me, you know, it, it, the, it was so excruciating. But then again, this is, a, a again, a young mother at that, too. She was also a young mom. Um, and in a country that, you know, medicine and technology wasn't so great and high and whatnot. So you, they had to make do with what they had. So... Mm-hmm. I kind of knew all of those things. And so going into it, um, I was like, all right, well, I'm in a better, better um, state right now. I'm in a better state of being. Um, and I have more in that privilege, like the privilege piece, right? Yeah. I have access to, to medicine if I need it, technology, doctors, and so forth. Um, she didn't hold anything back. Uh, others in the family kind of did, though, because, you know, you don't want to scare someone, a new, especially a new mom. You don't want to overtell. Uh, you do want them to be prepared, but then it always goes back to everyone's experience is different. And I, that's how I am. When people ask me, like when, you know, new moms or soon-to-be moms are asking, well, what's, what did you go through? What's your advice? I always say that to myself. It's, it, everybody's different. And I say that to them. Everyone's different. So here's my experience. This is what happened to me. And my one advice, I like I said earlier, learn how to push correctly. Go to that Lamaze class. Because people in our community, like our community, the communities of color, West Indian communities, black and brown communities, we don't really believe in Lamaze. It's like, why? You know, at least coming up, that's, that was the impression that I had. And so it was, no, we don't need Lamaze class. You just do it the old fashioned way. Your mom didn't have it. Your grandma didn't have it. Yada, yada, yada. But come to find out, it's not just about you know, you attending and somebody train, you know, a trainer training you how to breathe properly, but it's a lot of different moving pieces that will help you when you go into labor. So it is the breathing, it's how to breathe, how to push, um, how to prepare your body, how to position your body. All those things are helpful. Um, And so it's a matter of just, you know, taking all the resources that you can that are available to you. And if something is not available, find out and ask, why isn't it? And I want it. And how do I get it? You know what I mean? Um, because a lot of times things we're not aware and we don't know to ask. And then it comes back like, you know, well, why doesn't this community of people know what's available to them? You know, especially if I'm a soon to be mom, if I'm a first time mom, regardless of what my age is, I need to know these things. I want to know these things. If, I, if I'm not aware, then help me become aware, you know? Um, so I think this conversation needs to continue because 
our one episode is not going to cover everything. And there's so many things that we need to dissect and get into um, from all aspects, right? Um, we can laugh and we can joke, but then we get serious too because there, there are a lot of serious issues that we have to address and we have to not only address and talk about it, but like you said, change policies, right? Us just having the conversation may, may bring awareness, but what's going to cause the change? Policies and it being implemented and practiced on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I definitely can, just to add to that, um, being proactive, definitely, Anushka, I would agree with that. Uh, but as I think it's difficult, um, I think more so with the COVID situation, I don't think that, you know, um, the healthcare system per se, I don't, I didn't receive any guidance in that sense. I, I you know, there, there was no indication, no, you know, kind of like, advice in terms of oh these are the groups you can attend you know they, they I, I would I was thinking you know maybe someone should put together some of the links some of the websites some of the resources that would you know potentially benefit a new mom because in that instance in that during that experience that first time experience you don't actually know what you need um at you know certain aspects you're not actually aware of um it's only because I did a lot of ton of research you know and oh I came across this and I came across that um, but it was funny because my mother, when I would ask my mother, she was like, well, I don't actually remember because my mother went through a cesarean section. Um, she was, you know, she was a single parent and she had to discharge herself very early out of hospital, regardless of the fact that she hadn't actually recovered hundred percent. And she had to get back, um, and, you know, start up the business. She was, um, you know, running this business on her own essentially. So, um, she doesn't remember all she does remember is the fact that, oh, yes, I dragged you with me everywhere. <laughs> but as to the actual details, you know, she was like, you know, she, she'd stop and think and, and not actually remember. And that was actually, in, that was insightful in itself. Uh, because like you said, um, it, this experience can be so traumatic that you just naturally forget all the details and all the, you know, the, the hard bits that, um, that potentially would help um, a new mother, you know, knowing knowing about. Um, so in that in that sense, yeah, being proactive, but also, you know, I think we need a little bit more guidance. Um, and of course, that varies depending on you know the healthcare that you have access to. Um, you know, how many times you're seeing your physician? Because I know friends that I spoke to would only see their physician, very, you know, on on you know the, when the scheduled scans were, and because you know I mentioned that I would had more than the the average so I was lucky in that sense that I got to to see my physician more often uh but even just to to kind of and to conclude because you know we could talk for hours on this topic uh but in terms of just the aftercare as well um you know I was I was you know I was doing high intensity um rowing before pregnancy um continued throughout pregnancy okay I dropped the intensity uh, but thereafter as well, that you know, the aftercare, um, when can I get back into exercise? You're given this generic six to eight weeks, you know, time frame. And that may not work for everyone, you know, as a, as a kind of um, an established athlete, I could potentially, you know, my body's geared up in a different way. It's, a, you know, accustomed to something different. So that advice may not be, you know, advice that would work for me. So it's it's about having a more individualized, tailored approach, and you know, not like like you know, Precious, you mentioned about the BMI. That that's consistently an issue because I remember they had this um, 
uh, with childhood obesity and the way they would define whether the child was obese or not was by, by the BMI. So what if he's an athletic child? You know, as an athlete, I know we don't fit into that um, generic measurement. Um, if you're going to, you know, the components of whether you have more muscle, more fat, these all play into that kind of deciding whether someone is actually clinically obese or just, you know, have they have a, a higher proportion of muscle, say. Well, they may be, you know, their, their physique uh, may dictate a higher BMI, but it doesn't necessarily indicate um, ill health. Um, so all these are all, you know, things and like, uh, you know, things that need to be kind of addressed. And Anushka, as you say, we need to probably have a number of sessions where we talk about so many, you know, so many of the important issues that, you know, we haven't talked about today. I mean, I have plenty to add and you know it's all coming back to me because I'm still right. experiencing it in real time I just want to say really quickly though this this conversation is confirmation I'm working on a project and just hearing you all talk about certain things it's just like yes I'm on the right track this is what we need to do and need to create for for women for moms um and just like parents first-time parents in general rather be moms or dads you know all of these things that are missing in day-to-day -day society in our communities is we, we need to have all the resources. So I just want to say that this conversation has served so many purposes other than just sharing our stories and experience and expertise. Um, and yes, Aliyah, I can um, relate to your mom being a single parent because that I, I was as well. And my baby came everywhere with me. My colleagues all knew her. She so much that <laughs> she had her. She was our youth at one of the my jobs. She had her own badge and access to the building, um, and everyone knew her. <laughs> I trusted her to walk in the building because everybody knew her. She knew her way around. She literally had directors come in and do stretches every afternoon. That was like their afternoon break. So I get it because when it's just you um, and your child or your children and you have to make things work, guess what? You, the, as much as you go to their school meetings and things like that, they come to your work meetings. They come and meet your, 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 your work family and, and so forth. And it's just you have, to, you have to make it work. And so you weave it all in together and make it work. So I can relate to your mom. <laughs> I'm so glad that you all were like so open about this. And we definitely are because I figured like this would be a good time to talk about maternity, right? Because everybody else did theirs in, in May. So we're going to like be outside <laughs> the box. We're going to do ours now. So um, we are going to continue these conversations. So when we come back um, with True Health Live, we'll be interviewing a doula. So there'll be, um, you know, space to talk about more of what happens during pregnancy and, and some of the things. And maybe we can stretch it. Like maybe we can do like a fact versus myth, myth busting. Yeah. <laughs> myth busting myth pregnancy. <laughs> pregnancy and uh, postpartum experiences. So we'll definitely return. And just FYI, Precious, I was a four-step baby too. <laughs> My mom told me they used the four steps. Um, I didn't know that it was traumatic, obviously, because I wasn't necessarily cognizant in that way. But um, the way she described it, it does sound traumatic. And what you just said, I'm like, maybe that wasn't like the best, the best thing. But yeah, um, and like you, Anishka, your mom, she had no meds. So <laughs> thing must that have been. So I don't know if I, I don't think I was a eight or nine pounder, though. But... <laughs> That's my contribution, but we will be, we will be, um, you know, having more of the conversation on um, women and moms and 
pregnancy as we go forward. So join us next time on True Health Live. We'll be talking with Dula, Sophia Knight, and we'll have more of like, you know, you know, what mom's experience and, and also what her experience is, is um, the support in the room, right? And working with moms and, and clients. So um, make sure to, you know, let your friends know, people who are interested in what doulas are actually doing, um, and also more mommy talk and conversations about pregnancy. So um, with that being said, there's um, that's all we got for today, guys. And so catch us again on July 25th. True Health Live will be back with our continuing conversations on maternal health. Peace, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com. See you next time.